Tyson Bryden. Mitch Perry, welcome to Nonstop Rock Talk again. It's really great to have you back. How are you doing, man? Uh, doing good. You know, we're just uh, we're uh, sitting here in sunny California trying to uh, to figure out what we're going to do next with our new record, uh, Music Box. Yes. Um, I have to admit that the longer this COVID situation keeps going, my skepticism towards it may never go away but hopefully hopefully there'll be a light at the end of the tunnel but for you as an artist and putting out new music um how have you dealt with that i guess in some ways people have more time to focus on actually listening to new music well you just hit the nail on the head i mean first off we have to realize we don't have a choice in what we're dealing with so you deal with it that's right and part of that is you can look at it and go glass is half empty or half full i go what's say it's half full, at least we've got people out there who are going to have time to look at things that they might not have looked at if they were busy going to, you know, Motley Crue, Def Leppard, and, and everybody else, whoever, <laughs> you know That's what I right. mean? Uh, there's a lot more available attention. Hopefully uh, we can get some of that. And, and, and as I said, we're sitting here trying to plot out the next steps with it because where it would be a no-brainer going, hey, where are we playing next week? Yeah. We're not doing that. So we have to figure out different, you know, plans of attack. Like, you know, were we planning on shooting a new video every other month? Yeah. You know, no, we weren't. But that may be what we do rather than shows for the next six months. That's you know, true. I mean. Yeah, on top of what we've already dealt with. Right. But, you know, like I say, it's just figuring out how we're going to have to adapt to it. And, and hopefully we can, since this is a brand new thing anyway uh, to people, I would hope we could make the music familiar enough with them in, in the uh, interim that by the time we're able to go out and play anywhere, uh, they're fully uh, familiar with our stuff and, and are anxious to hear it, hopefully. Well, I mean, with that said, it's kind of, I think once we finally do get back to playing music, people are going to be going to see live shows. People are going to be pretty excited about it. I mean, it's going to be like, hopefully it's not a long, long time, but I mean, it's, it seems like it could be almost up to a year. So, so by that point, I mean, when I get to go see my first show, I'm, I'm sure I'm going to be <laughs> pumped, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, but you know, when you say it could be a year, I mean, you know, it's not going to be like a, one day there were no shows, and then the yeah. next day it was normal. I mean, we're going to see shows filtering in. I mean, you got, you know, my friend Chuck Wright and Choir Riot flying out to a show. That's true. You know, we didn't think there would be anything this year. I know that we, we've, uh, with Sweet, I know that a bunch of shows were on the books that, you know, you know, obviously, with uh, Steve's passing, we yeah. weren't going to do them. But you know, there's still there were still things that we could have done, and uh, you know, it it, it it will trickle back in. Yeah. Uh, 
and and it'll it'll like water it'll find its it'll find its level and it will get back to working because you know people need music that's right now let's let's discuss your latest release off of your album music box which is saint valentine i i love the concept of the video um those cartoon like captions are really cool with the lyrics now, was that your concept? Did you come up with that? Uh, you know, basically, um, we've been working with a guy, uh, Ian Fisher, who did our EPK. He did the video for Believe, and he just did this video as well. Um, and we we kind of been kicking around the idea of what we we're going to do for St. Valentine. I mean, you know, there is a kind of tongue-in-cheek story, you know, about getting involved where you probably knew better yeah. <laughs> than to do that. I mean, so we could have gotten a little uh, involved with the video, but with all the, all the um, hurdles that, that you have to overcome to get anything done these days and shoot permits and all that. And, and we, we're trying to figure out the easiest way to kind of uh, get the band together, shoot a video. I didn't want it to be a, a COVID type of video where you saw five different iPhone things going on. Yeah. Um, you know, to that end, we also have people in, in the band who are concerned about, you know, the mask situation and everything. So we, we, we had to really figure out the best way to get a video done and, and Ian showed me the template and you know we figured well we could still put the band together for a one quick shoot and uh, you know use that template to kind of uh, kind of cross the bridge and make it half lyric video half what you see you know yeah. I mean it's not exactly a lyric video but it's not exactly a full video right you know, and, and it's lighthearted enough that I think it captures the fun of the song, you know, the tongue-in-cheekness of it, without, you know, without getting too ridiculous and without going too juvenile either. That's right. I, I mean, I, I really like the song, to be honest with you. I really, I was like, oh, that's a really cool tune. Yeah, I'm really pr proud of this song. Proud of, you know, this is, you know, one that we wrote, specifically for what it is. I mean, I didn't have something like this on the record. And so I kind of, I mean, I actually wrote this on a plane. Um, I was coming home from some shows I played in London and uh, I was thinking about the album. I knew I wanted this type of song on it. So I got on my plane and, and not on my plane, but on my plane flight. Yeah. Threw on the headphones and uh, I started hearing the groove and started hearing. I mean, it kind of, it was a gift from above. I, I wrote down, uh, came up with a line that I like that line, wrote it down. Boom. The rest just, it followed like I was taking dictation. Really? Um, and literally I wrote all the lyrics to that, all the changes and the guitar solo on the plane. I, I still got the, the uh, little recordings, like for that little intro line, I sang it into my phone into uh, on the plane, and and melody lines, I'd sing it into the phone, and I wrote down the chord changes on my notepad and in my iPad. And, wow! Uh, you know, I got home, pulled out a guitar, and 
yeehaw, it all worked. I wasn't imagining things. That's cool. I really actually like that solo a lot too. I was uh, when I was watching the video, I was like really focusing on that solo because I I thought it was really cool. Oh, thanks. Yeah, I mean, a nice simple solo, but yep. it. You know, yeah, I wasn't so worried about Guitar Hero yeah. stuff on this record. It, this was more about putting out the songs and, and getting that. Like I said, it, it's a style of music that I'm, I don't hear a lot of new, you know, new uh, stuff coming out in. I mean, there's a lot of great 80s bands still, you know, pumping away some great stuff. Yeah. But I just don't hear that 70s classic rock. No, you don't. No, and I agree I, with I you. I really wanted to make that kind of record. And, uh, you know. That's awesome. Now, that I love that last Paul that you're playing in the video. Um, looks like a guitar that has some serious road time on it. Um, Much like its owner, <laughs> I've had it since it was brand new. Wow. Yeah, I mean, I got that guitar off the shelf in March of 1978. Wow, that's a beauty. It's a beautiful guitar. What what are the pick, what pickups are in that guitar? Those are P nineties. That's what I they're original, and I love them. I mean, you know, I I, I love the fat sound of a Les Paul. That, yeah, you know, that for me is. I agree. Yeah, you know, Les Paul through a Marshall. I'm yeah. I'm happy. Um, the, the problem with Les Pauls for me, though, is if. I, I don't like to get into the channel switching and amp switching. You know, I like it to be more organic, you know, yep. and, and my hand and my body kind of work all the dynamics. You know, the guitar is turned on one. It's cleaned up and it's low and it's quiet. I turn it up a little bit more. You know, it, it, all the dynamics come out of that volume, yeah. you know, knob. And uh, with Les Pauls, you... Uh, you lose a lot of the ability to get clean. Uh, when you turn down the, you know, the uh, humbuckers, they're, they're still pretty fat sounding and, and, and they, they just don't get as crystal as like you might get out of a Strat or a right. single coil pickup. Right. And, and the P90s for me are the perfect jack of both, you know, of all trades. I mean, they, they, when you turn the volume down, the tone actually gets a little thinner so it doesn't turn into this muddy mess and you get a little bit more definition and i kind of hear a little bit more of the string with p90s than than with a humbucker where it's more you know you yeah more preamp stage of the amp that comes through to me yeah i've never like um, as a guitar player myself i've never tried i've never played a les paul with p90s and it. it's always been um the, the humbuckers, right? The what yeah, are those? I've, I've, I've loved them since. Uh, you remember a guitar player named Les Studek? No, I don't. No. He, he played with the Allman Brothers for a while. And, you know, he, he's he had a couple of records at the end of the seventies, uh, um, and "Say No More." One of those records, uh, he had a gold top with single coil uh, with the uh, with the P. The, uh, P90s and, and it's just the coolest looking guitar and that's all I ever wanted to have since that album cover. Oh, that's cool. Um, now, now I had to bring this up because as a guitar player, now this week has kind of been a whirlwind and I think a lot of us, a lot of us are kind of looking forward to 2020 ending. Um, but with that said, we lost another great this week in Eddie Van Halen, of course. 
I mean, I'm kind of still in shock about it. It was hard to believe. Um, did you ever ha- get the chance to meet Edward? Yeah, I've, I've met him a couple of times. I mean, you know, pretty quick each time. I never did any deep hangs or any of that. But, you know, honor, it, it, it was an honor to get to say, you know, I shook his hand, you know. And, uh, I mean, he's as, uh, I, I said on Facebook, you know, it's like people will waste time debating who's the greatest you know, of all time at whatever, you know, whether yeah. it's baseball, football, guitar playing, or, you know, you name it. Um, and, and truthfully, there's no way of quantifying that. That's true. You know, over different periods, over different genres. However, one thing it is absolutely safe to say is since Hendrix, for sure. Yeah. And, and Sandra, Hendrix is basically the only guy who even comes close to Eddie in in the terms of how much one person can affect and influence an entire generation of musicians. I mean, yeah, Hendrix was a game changer, but when when Van Halen came around, rock and roll was a much bigger thing. And I mean, when he came out, it just... <laughs> Every living room felt it in America, yeah. you know, as opposed to just the cool ones at the end of the 60s. That's true. Yeah, it's, I mean, you listen to Van Halen 1 and you try and compare it with anything that was coming out at that time. And, I mean, guitar-wise and the songs and just everything that it, that it had, uh, I don't think there was anything that was, that was out there even close to it. It was, it's... No, and it was... It was real. I mean, you know, this was not, these weren't talented kids copying their idols. These were, you know, guys who came along. I mean, you listen to the demos they did with Gene Simmons, and you realize nobody put Van Halen together except Van Halen. That's right. You know, and and they did it. I mean, for my money, you know, you had that first wave of hard rock bands, you know, the, the Zeppelins and the Deep Purples and the Creams and the, all that. And, I mean, everything that followed after, for my money, Van Halen is the one that America threw up there that you put with, you know, could yeah. be Aerosmith too. Yeah. But, and it could be Guns N' Roses. But the, those three bands are... You know, our answer to that, and Van Halen, you know, before any. Yeah, and I totally agree. Now, interestingly enough, you have pl- you did play with Dave Lee Roth um, briefly, I believe it was. Um, yes. That was after Steve Vai left, I believe? Yeah, I, I mean, I actually only did rehearsals with him, you know, but yeah, it, it was neat to kind of get the call and go down and play the stuff. You know, an interesting thing, just... You know, you got to remember, I came out here to do my first record in 1980. So at that point, even though I'm still like totally blown away and wishing I had a clue how to play a guitar like Eddie Van Halen, I'm now not trying to learn cover songs. I'm trying to forge my own way on the guitar. Um, You know, so it, it was weird that even though I'm a huge Eddie Van Halen fan, I didn't know every song. Wow. So when yeah. I got, when I had, you know, I mean, I'd learned the first record, and, you know, 
I mean, probably not to the level that, you know, people do things nowadays, but, you know, I had an idea of what was going on. Um, when, it, when it came time to play with him, I had to learn all of Van Halen, you know, the Van Halen portion and the Steve Vai portion, you know, because they obviously already had Skyscraper and the way to knock out. And, you know, Steve Vai is another phenomenal, amazing guitar player. Uh, it was just so much more difficult to capture the essence of Ed when you're trying to play those songs than it was to do what Steve did. It, not that, you know, Steve's wasn't brilliant and, and great in, in its own way, but it, it was clever and how it was orchestrated. You, If you knew music theory, you could figure out what was going on. But no amount of music theory is going to save you from trying to figure out how to make Hot for Teacher sound like Hot for Teacher. More importantly, make it feel the way it does. Yeah. You know, I think yeah. it, it's great and good and all the notes and all the tricks that Eddie's putting into everything. But at the end of the day, what gets lost is the fact that he's doing that, but with such pocket, with such finesse and with such groove, with such to, you know command of the instrument that you take this stuff for granted. But it, it's it's on another level. Yeah. It's it's funny that you mention that because um, my daughter's my daughter's nineteen and her boyfriend is the same age and last night uh, we were in in this living room and I said uh, have how much Van Halen have you listened to and he's like well not you know he knew the hits so I put on Fair Warning and uh, I put on Mean Street and I said you got to check out this intro because you're not going to believe what he does on this because this is just it's over the top. It's just insane. And he was just like, he just sat there and was like, holy cow. <laughs> you know, so. I, I remember. I, I was the same, uh, I was the same kid the first time I heard it. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, I mean, and, and to this day, when I listen to it, I still go, man, like, it's one thing to play it, but he came up with it too. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I'll, if you remember back in those days, I mean, you know, we were all knocked off our horse by eruption. Nobody expected that. That's it. But, but the thing was, he managed to come up with stuff, you know, on each album. There was a new trick, whether it's cathedral or little guitars, yeah. or, you know, whatever. There was always something really, really cool. Yeah. Um, and, and always to another level. He was always... He's always expanding, never falling back on the same stuff, you know? Yeah, and, and even even when he started to dive into the keyboards and the sound of what he was playing on the keyboards was different than what everybody else was doing. It was just a yeah. whole different thing, right? Yeah, no, he, he, could, he, he was obviously someone who marched to the beat of his own drummer, and, and thank God he did. Yeah, exactly. Now, now that's funny. I mean, we're, we're talking about Eddie's playing and you having to learn that. Now, I remember reading an article when you had done the Bobby Blotzer's Rat thing and about learning Warren's stuff. And that was, you know, um, Warren's one of my favorite players as well, besides Eddie Van Halen. So when I listen to his stuff, and I always find that the solos are unorthodox because they're almost like he's not even playing to the music sometimes. It's like he's off in his own little world to the song. Yeah, I think it's absolutely brilliant. 
So don't let don't misunderstand me when I say this. Now it's funny. Some of the, what I said in that interview, so many you know, I won't name names, but some of the cheap uh, sites, you know, will, will misconstrue. I go, yeah. I went or misrepresent what I said, which is yeah. I hated having to learn this stuff because I love listening to it so much, but it's just so diametrically opposed to where my instincts lie. Yeah, that's not a right or wrong, good or no. bad. It's just different. One's red, one's blue, whatever. Um, you know, it, it was just so, it was really hard to, to not to learn it and play it. But, you know, that I, I try to explain music as being two things. I go, if you get me a script to Gone with the Wind and I memorize all of Clark Gable's lines and, and I know where he comes in and I know where he shuts up. Does that mean I'm an actor? <laughs> it, it doesn't. I got to learn how to act, right? That's right? It's the same thing about playing music. Just because you know how, how to play the song, you know where the licks are and you can play them. Well, great. You're, you're now in the party, but you know, you're now in the race. You've got it, but you still got to win it. You got to perform it. You got to play it. And that was a, the hard part was really making myself feel, you know, making myself feel like I own those things when I play them. You know, it just was different. You know, and to that end, as much as I love Eddie Van Halen, um, I usually pass the Eddie uh, songs. You know, I do the ultimate jam at, at uh, the Whiskey A Go Go. Yeah. And we're always learning uh, new cover stuff. And, and and when I have to learn a bunch of Van Halen stuff, I just, there are guys who will learn it far better than I will at this point. Cause I, there's just so much to it. I, I don't like to do it anything less than a hundred percent. And, you know, unless you're going to really go in and take up a great course on impersonation, you know, there's yeah. no way to play an Eddie song and, and make it sound right. No. And that's, and that's true. I mean, like you said, the feeling and what he, you know, he just did it so naturally and uh, what he put into it. And then that, you know, how they've always said, like, certain other guitar players have plugged into his rig and it didn't sound the same. It was all his finger. Oh, yeah, yeah. I've, I've been fortunate enough to experience that real time, uh, not with Eddie. Mm -hmm. Although actually with Eddie, because I did see him warm up backstage before a show. And he was playing through a little Fender Champ or something, I forget. And, you know, but the, the little practice amp sounded exactly like the Wall of Marshalls that we listened to, you know, a few wow. minutes later. And it was definitely his hands. But where I really, really, one of the biggest lessons I took out of playing alongside Michael Schenker is what we would uh, share a practice amp uh, before we would... Uh, play a show you know the guitar room had one amp in it so we wouldn't be you know playing over each other yeah. and uh, Michael would go in and he'd warm up for a bit and then I'd plug in and, you know get my warm ups and we'd go play and man his guitar always sounds so much better than mine really and, and, and I'm like one day I walk in and there's the you know black and white V against the wall yeah. no Michael around I go <laughs> cool. But I, I put my guitar down, pick it up, hit a chord. Dude, my guitar sounded twice as good as his guitar. 
Um, that was not the difference. The difference was all yeah. in the hands. In the hands, yeah. And 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 the amp that I'm talking about is one of those little Gallia Krugers, which right. was so compressed. Basically, you could plug anything into it; it's going to sound the same. Yeah. The, the difference was still huge through this thing. And at that point, I realized it's what you put into, you know, to the attack of the guitar with the string. I mean, it's everything, but it, it, it gets to where, I mean, I realized that when, when I, got, I had some sciatic problems, um, I play guitar with my whole body. I mean, yeah, we're only playing with our fingers and our hands. But when I'm standing up there and playing, I'm feeling it through my whole body. My body's moving with the music. And, and um, you know, uh, if that gets cut off, then it's, it's not a good thing. Yeah. You know, you don't want to eliminate that connection. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> That's cool. Um, now... I wanted to talk about Sweet. I mean, you did, unfortunately, we, Steve Priest passed away back in June. Um, and I loved, I loved that band, um, especially Desolation Boulevard. I mean, I have, I have a vinyl copy of it, and I remember the first time I got it. And, and I had always thought that Andy Scott's playing was just, I always thought he was kind of underrated, that people never really talked about him. And there's stuff on that album. I listen to it, and I go, holy cow, man, this guy was like, he was amazing. Absolutely agreed. Yeah, so... Um, go ahead. No, 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 go ahead, Mitch. Sorry. No, I, I, I'll tell you. Um, out of every band I've been fortunate enough to play with, my favorite set list from top to bottom has been a sweet set list. I love the songs more than every, any collection of songs from any other bands I've played with. Um, and it's really weird. Okay, going back to talking about learning Warren's parts. Right. Uh, when I'm learning it, I'm getting halfway through the song and I'm putting the guitar down going, ah, I need a break. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> this is work. Yeah. Uh, when I'm learning the sweet stuff, it's like relearning stuff I wrote. Uh, and now I don't mean that to infer that I'm a writer like that. I don't, you know, on okay. that level. They, yeah. What they did was phenomenal. But what I mean is what I was playing just felt so natural. I didn't have to think twice about why or how he did it. Um, gotcha. it. It felt like it was created for me. Yeah. It was just natural. And, and to that extent, if you know the music really well, you know, when I play the sweet shows, I'm pretty true to form of what's there, but I also put my own stuff in. Right. And, and I'm fortunate enough to get away with doing that because it doesn't sound out of place. Yeah. Because I think the DNA of my influences must be similar. Um, it, that's all I can think. But, you know, ultimately, it, it all goes back to the stuff that Andy put down uh, on those songs was such great stuff. You, you, you've already got the template, you know, for yeah. what it should be. I mean, he, he, he's as good as they come. Yeah, and it's funny because, like, when you think about it, there's a ton of, not a ton, but a bunch of artists have covered sweet songs like um, 
you know, Def Leppard and Steve Stevens did Oxygen. Oh, and Black and Blue, they did Oxygen as well. So that song has been covered three times by three different artists. And that's just such a cool song. And um, Dave Ellison has a new uh, covers album coming out and he did a cover of Sweet F.A. on it. And I, oh, I'm pretty pumped to hear that. And, you know, uh, Vince Neil's done, um, he did Set Me Free years ago. So, I mean, it, it's funny when you hear it again, it, it's almost when you hear when you hear someone else do it it actually still sounds fresh and when i put it on i'm like you know what this does this album's kind of it's timeless that music seems very timeless absolutely i mean you're gonna get that out of any music that that is uh that sets the standards rather for music that adheres to it it is gonna stay fresh because that's what it was when it was new yeah. I mean, you could have, you know, once you're just another emulating you know, one of else. many, you know, you kind of blend into everything and you, you get that oh, 1980, you know, 1985 yeah. thing when you, when you hear the song. But the, the truly groundbreaking stuff, I mean, it, it takes you right back to that moment. And that moment, there was nothing fresher. Yeah, and I agree with that. I mean, that must have been, like you said, that was one of your favorite um, every song was one of your favorite gigs, and and I can see why because the catalog is so is so good. It is deep. It is deep. Um, and, and you know, and and that's the thing is um, because it's so deep, we could change out songs, or we could pull out. You weren't stuck to the same old hits to play everything good. I mean, you you could go to obscure songs that you know people didn't know and. Hmm. You know, I mean, my favorite song, you know, not that people, it was totally obscure, but, you you know, you don't hear about Set Me Free yeah. the same way you do with Ballroom Blitz or... Yeah. Or Fox on the Run. But, but I'll tell you, when I want to go and, you know, when I'm playing guitar on Sundays and, and I want to, you know, play a fast, up-tempo rock tune that blows your head away, I mean... Set Me Free is up there with anything, uh, any highway star, or yes. anything you can uh, come up with. And it, yeah, and it stacks up beside those songs. Like it's one of those really, you know, for yeah. for what Sweet was like for as an English glam band, you know, Ballroom Blitz is the big song. But I mean, those album cuts, like you say, were just so so in your face and really hard rock, right? No, man, and, and go and check out, you know. Um, you know, David Bowie, where, see see where he got Gene Genie from. Right. Yeah, I mean, Blockbuster, Blockbuster was on the charts while Sweet was rehearsing next to David Bowie. Wow. That's very so, cool. Wow, that is, that is so cool. Yeah. Now, now, another intriguing point in your career was playing with Talis and being, you know, being Canadian and being from Toronto, that you know, that band, you guys tell us, played a lot here. Um, and I've always been a Billy Sheehan fan, of course. How did you initially get that gig? Um, I had replaced Ingvae Malmsteen, the Steeler. Yep. And I did that immediately after recording a demo um, with Randy Castillo and Ralph Mormon, the singer from the Joe Perry Project, who wrote Let the Music Do the Talking. Yeah. That band was called Dutch Courage. 
And our demo was really badass. I gave a copy of that demo to a writer named John Sutherland, who I met at one of the Steeler shows. John was a good friend of Billy's, and he passed the demo on to Billy, who called me up and says, you want to move to Buffalo and uh, join Talis? And man, the week before he had made that call, somebody had played me the first Talis record, and I'm listening to the solo the bass solo, I'm going, oh my God, who's this guy? I got yeah. to play with him. So, you know, I, I moved uh, to Buffalo in November of 83, and uh, that's how it happened. Wow. And oh, actually, I was going to ask you about your initial reaction to seeing, to hearing Billy Sheehan, because, I mean, Billy Sheehan wasn't your normal bass player. I mean... No, I mean, Billy, Billy <laughs> took that instrument to new levels, and uh he was doing it back then before, you know, yeah. people outside of uh, the Buffalo area had uh, gotten to know that. He, he's, he's owned that thing for a long time. Yeah, and, I, and it, that's funny that you, I mean, I didn't, I wasn't aware of him. I was a kid when, when Eat Him and Smile with Dave Lee Roth came out, so I wasn't aware of him until then, right? And just listening to that band for the first time, it just blew you away. But then, but then going back and getting the Talis stuff because of him being with Roth and Mr. Big and listening to that stuff and going, wow, he was doing this long before that and hearing, you know, hearing Talis do shy boy and, you know, and then it, it ends up on the Roth album. Right. Yeah. And you're like, this is so different, but this is so cool. <laughs> so, so that's awesome. Um, well, Mitch, I want to thank you again for joining me. It is, I mean, it was a pleasure again. And I love hearing you tell all the stories about your illustrious career. Yeah, it's a pleasure. Anytime you'd like, uh, just give a shout. Okay, Mitch. Well, you you have a great night and uh, and the best of luck with the with the album. And um, it's, it's been out for a while, right? Well, it's just been, uh, you know, out being... I've been telling people about it on the internet yeah. since about April. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I mean, as I said, I'm looking at this as a really long, a really long uh, extended release time. And, you know, I, it, once we can go out and play, then I'm going to start officially looking at the album as being out. I mean, I, I'm not going to let this thing come and go yeah. without going out and playing it. So, yeah. you know, however long it takes, it takes. But and the thing is, I, I feel, too, the music on there is strong enough that it justifies doing that. We can keep putting out a song at a time, and there will be stuff worth listening to, you know, four or five, six songs into it. Which I think is a really cool way to do it. It's keeping, you know, it's giving the album legs, too, and, you know, and in this time, it's it's honestly probably maybe if this hadn't happened, you wouldn't have thought of doing it that way. No, exactly. And, and you know, it, once again, you, you can go half full or half empty. Uh, I, I look at it as going, you know, the kind of record we happen to put together. I mean, I very purposely when it came to uh, when it came to making this record, I wanted to make a record where you didn't hear the one or two or the three good songs and feel you'd heard everything the album had to offer. Now that also doesn't mean writing 10 quote unquote singles, you know, I mean, you know, an album is a journey and it's got to have peaks and valleys and, and 
hairpin turns and long windy bends and long straightaways. It's got to have everything, you know, to keep it interesting. And so to that end, I tried to do that with all the songs I want. I didn't want there to be any throwaway, any filler, you know, and even if the song's not the kind of song, you know, St. Valentine, you go, hey, they want to be on the radio with that song. You know, not every song is like that, but every song quality wise is like that. And there's a reason and a story or, or there's a, there's definite reason to pay attention to each and every one of the songs. And, you know, I, I wanted it to be, again, a, a record that you could put headphones on and want to listen to from start to finish, you know, and almost feel like incomplete if you didn't hear all the songs. You know, I used to, I used to have to hear my favorite albums from top to bottom. And, and I wanted this to be that, you know, not for any specific reason, but, I think that will behoove us in a time like this where we got to keep telling people about the album, you know, long past and they've gotten tired of hearing about it. <laughs> that's so true. Well, that's, uh, I mean, having, from what I've heard of it, I've, I've really enjoyed it. So, I mean, um, I have to dive into it a little bit more, to be honest with you. I wasn't. Uh, please, please do. I mean, I, I promise you, you won't be disappointed. And, and, and that goes for all you listeners out there. You know, uh, get, get to MitchFerry.com and, and give the album a listen. You, you know, check it out on YouTube. Uh, we got our own channel there and all that. But everything's up, you know, so you can get a chance to check it all out. And if you give it a listen, if you give it a shot, I think, uh, I think we'll wind up hearing from you. That's awesome. Okay, Mitch, well, you have a great night, and uh, hopefully we'll talk again. All right. Okay. Thanks a lot. Thanks. And, uh, you take care. And, you too, uh, Mitch. Talk soon. Okay, bye-bye. Now we face our